Hey everyone, it's Simon here, and on behalf of Maria and I, I want to thank you for checking out our podcast, and I want to encourage you to check out our website. On there we have all of our upcoming events, in-person services, gatherings all over the place, and if you're looking for a church in the MacArthur region, check it out. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, it's all there. We'd love to get to know you. Let's get to the podcast. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Online Church today, and it's a little bit different speaking to a camera again in my lonely old home studio uh, after having a couple weeks of in-person church. But I guarantee you, if you stay engaged and you stay open uh, as we share the word today, you will be encouraged. You'll, You'll be strengthened in your walk with God. So let's stay open as we begin today. On December 31st, 1879, an inventor from Milan, Ohio named Thomas Alva Edison flipped the switch to light up his laboratory in Menlo Park, New Jersey. It was the first public demonstration of his incandescent light bulb. And although Edison didn't invent the incandescent lamp, no inventor had been able to create a real practical design until Edison. And from that moment when he flipped the switch, everything changed. And if you look around you, there's lights everywhere. There's lights uh, in the room you're sitting in right now, unless you're sitting in the dark, that'd be weird. But but there's lights behind me. There's lights lighting me up right now. And if the lights were to go out in your house tonight, I guarantee I know what you do. You'd go and find your phone, and you turn on the, the you turn on the flashlight, and it's like darkness is not an option for us anymore since Edison flipped the switch. Well, there was another day in history where everything changed, and you might not be aware, but today is Pentecost Sunday. And the Sunday commemorates what happened in Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, came upon his people and made residence in their hearts. And one of the strongest pieces of evidence for the resurrection of Christ, I believe, is how the gospel just spread like crazy uh, uh, after Jesus' resurrection and after Pentecost. It's, It's like it spread like wildfire. It just couldn't be contained. And all of that really started... At Pentecost, it was like the spark that sent out the gospel to the nations of the world. And Jesus spoke about it in John 16, verse 7, where he says, It is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And much like the light switch turning on, at Pentecost, everything changed. It's like God flipped the switch in his people. And Pentecost signifies for us the moment where uh, life wasn't just going to be about God being with us, but now it is God in us, right? God in you. And the ramifications of this moment in history are amazing. That means that you don't just try to comprehend God. No, you carry him. You're not just trying to learn God. No, you can experience him by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That veil of sin is removed by the work of the cross and the work of the Spirit begins. 
it says we see and reflect his glory. Uh, We no longer adore him from a distance. No, we know him and we reflect his glory. We don't just work for Jesus. No, we work with him. We work in his power and strength. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, one of my favorite verses, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The desire and the power. You know, in my own strength, I am left to fight for morality and religious priority in my life. And the truth is, I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. You can't muster up enough religious strength to live for God on your own. No, Pentecost represents God in us, God in you, giving you the desire and the power to live for him, to do what pleases him. You don't do this on your own. You know, and this this changes how we approach life, you know, how we approach a nervous situation, how we approach fear, how we approach sin in our lives. Our answer shouldn't be God is for me or God will protect me. No, no, no. How about this? God is in me. There's a radical shift. The spirit-filled life is a supernatural life. Pentecost is about power. He will give you the, the desire and the power to live for him, to do what pleases him. It's about flipping the switch and having access to God-given inspiration, God-given power. We have God in us. That means that we carry his knowledge, his character, his conviction. His heart is in our heart. And I'm believing as we take the next couple of weeks to focus on the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that God would flip the switch in you, that you would be awakened and empowered with fresh fire from the Holy Spirit. And now I'm not talking about freaky deaky hyped up spiritual weirdness, okay? Uh, We want to be grounded in God's word, Uh, not in hype or emotionalism or manipulation. The Holy Spirit is not a keyboard in the background of preaching time. (laughs) Uh, But let's also not forget that the Holy Spirit is real. And let's not dishonor him because of our lack of understanding or fear or past experiences where People have been fake or manipulative. Like I, I don't know what you've experienced of the Holy Spirit, but let's just stop for a moment and take a fresh look at what the Bible says about him and his work in our lives. You know, I, I use hard drives um, for work a lot. And, you know, like, you know, we film church, we use a hard drive, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, sometimes uh, the hard drives that I'm using need to be reformatted, like they're being slow and clunky. They just have information upon information saved in them, and they just need to be refreshed so that they can work better, right? And maybe you need some relearning and reformatting when it comes to your understanding of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, all of us need reformatting from time to time, and we need to come back to true biblical truths about Uh, the things of God, right? So let's get started by focusing on where all of this started. Let's revisit Pentecost for a moment uh, on this Pentecost Sunday. Now, the Holy Spirit wasn't invented in the uh, New Testament, obviously. The Holy Spirit had a role throughout history and is recorded in the Old Testament and was prophesied about like in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, 
and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And there are a few theological views of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, but a basic summary is the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, It was prophesied throughout the Old Testament the day of Pentecost would come, like people like Ezekiel, Isaiah, Joel, John the Baptist, and most importantly, Jesus uh, prophesied that the Holy Spirit would come, right? That And the, the big point in all of these, this looking forward, these God-inspired uh, prophecies about the Holy Spirit was that God was going to put his spirit in all men and women, not just the Jews, not just God's covenant people. And this is much of the narrative focus in the book of Acts, where we see what happens with Pentecost, is God is is pouring out his spirit on Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews, and beyond. And after Jesus' resurrection, the Bible records that he spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them, eating with them. And and we we pick it up in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascends to heaven and the disciples are left alone to wait. And they did just as Jesus said to do. There's a there's a lesson in there that obedience can sometimes be staying, staying and waiting as Jesus wants us to. All right. So they stayed in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter two, we read this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, this is where a lot of us Pentecostals, because we're a Pentecostal church, get all caught up in the fire in the end, suddenly, the wind, the speaking in tongues, the, the wonder, the whoa, oh, the, the, the freaky stuff. But I want to ask the question today, what was this all for? What was happening at Pentecost? What was the big picture here? Uh, there's lots of things happening in, in this account of Pentecost. But let's not miss what I believe to be the main point of Pentecost, okay? And we see it in verse 5 onwards. It says right there, At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Now, let's look at what's happening here. This is taking place in Jewish Palestine, uh, which was part of the Roman Empire during Jesus' time on earth. Now, 
non-Palestinian Jewish pilgrims were attending the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And they traveled in from all over the place, all over the place. And when they were inside uh, Jerusalem and they were hearing Jews from inside Palestine speaking languages from outside that they would never have heard or known, it really sends them on a spin. And these 120 believers are filled with the Spirit and speaking in other languages. And these visiting Jews are thinking, wait, 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 there's no way that these people can know these languages. They haven't even heard them. And it was so noticeable to them that they made comment about it and they inquired about it. And this is, uh, it says there right there in verse 11, it says, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. You know, there's this cool guy on, um, I see him on Facebook uh, and YouTube and stuff like that. And he speaks uh, Mandarin and all, all sorts of la- all sorts of languages. And he'll, he'll be like traveling around China and he'll be like getting some food. And then ran- he's like a white American dude. And he'll randomly just start speaking uh, the, the, the native language. And you see people kind of look like, hold up a second. How do you speak so well? That's, this is a very hard language. So this is kind of like what's happening here. These people are hearing a language that, that these believers shouldn't know and have never heard. And, and I love that. What is it that they're hearing? They're hearing them speak about the wonderful things God has done. And I think this speaks to the heart of Pentecost right here, is that you have Jews from all over Israel and beyond hearing of the things of God in their own language as the Spirit enables them. So this is a supernatural and prophetic moment. God is saying the Holy Spirit is being given to my people like what was predicted by Ezekiel, Joel, John the Baptist, all these it was all pointing to this moment where the Holy Spirit is being given to my people to empower and enable them to share the gospel and the good things of God in other places, in other languages. And this is the narrative throughout the book of Acts. The gospel is to go out. The gospel is to spread and it is to happen with power from God. And it's like Pentecost was a flipping of the switch moment in world history. And from there, the gospel is preached. Even in that very moment, the gospel is preached. 3,000 men give their lives to Jesus and the church is born out of holy fire. Not out of like cool branding and marketing. No, no, no. The church is born out of holy fire in that moment and it can never be stopped. Fire that's so uh, so uh, powerful that it can't be contained by the barriers of language or persecution. In fact, we learned that the persecution that the, that the early church endured only fanned the flames, only, only emboldened believers to take the gospel even further. And Pentecost is about God being in us and God working through us. And we as Pentecostals, we believe we're part of this story. You know, and it's, it's, it's interesting that the book of Acts just abruptly ends. And there's lots of debate about why does it abruptly end, you know, all this kind of thing. But I believe it abruptly ends because guess what? We're the next chapter in Acts. We're, we're the continuation of this God story of the gospel going out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's this little detail in verse 6 of, of Acts chapter 2 where it says this, When they heard that these are the, the foreign Jewish believers, when they heard the loud noise 
everyone came running and they were bewildered. When they heard the loud noise, I love that. And what, what did they end up hearing? Well, they, they heard the wonderful things of God. They heard the gospel, right? And of the of one of the first fruits of the Spirit in Pentecost was noise, <laughs> loud noise. And I, I love that. My prayer for us today on this Pentecost Sunday is that you would be filled with boldness from God to be loud for him. Now, I'm not talking about taking out a bell and ringing it and running up and down your street, you know, yelling out about God, no. But I'm talking about boldness to speak of the wonderful things God has done in your world. And the fact that others heard this in Acts chapter 2 shows that although these believers were gathered in, in a little upper room, they weren't there to be safe and secure. No, they were bold. When the Holy Spirit came, they were bold. They were open. They were loud. Let's not be a church that hides and is quiet. You know, I love that about our um, in-person church venue. There's no door between where we meet upstairs and the reception of the go-kart place. It's like, we're pray up there praising God, preaching, and it's just the sounds just f- shooting down to who, who knows who, right? And I, come on, let's be bold. Man. I love that. Let, let, let there be a noise being heard from us as Christians. Do people hear you at work talk about the wonderful things of God? Or do they just hear you talk about gossip and worldly stuff? No, come on. We are, if we are to be filled with the Spirit, the fruits of that, is sharing with others the wonderful things of God. You know, this isn't that, uh, you know, it's just interesting to me that we can get so caught up in the gifts and the, and the fire and the controversies and, and the tricky things of the Holy Spirit that we miss the whole point of why he's there to begin with. And it's a trait of spirit-filled believers to be intensely mission-focused Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He is in you to do a work through you. And we will talk next week about the work he does in us. Absolutely, because that is very, very important. But, you know, he is working in us the desire and the power to do what pleases God. Absolutely. And guess what pleases God? Others hearing about him. His desire is that all would hear. All would come to know the truth. All would come to know Jesus. And guess what? He wants to do that through you and through me. God doesn't just live in us by the Holy Spirit so that we can walk around like a holy roller and be like, oh, look at how spiritual I am. And oh, look at my Instagram post of my spiritual flex. Like, oh, yeah, I'm filled with the Spirit, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal Through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God is making his appeal through us, through you, through me. Now, this is what the Christian life should look like. God makes, first and foremost, God makes his appeal to you. How did God make his appeal to you? How did you become a Christian if you are a Christian today? Uh, I know for me, God made his appeal to me 
through a high school scripture teacher named Troy Davis, who we're going to hear from, who's going to be speaking for us in a couple of weeks. But God makes his appeal to you. And how did you respond to that, to that appeal? Well, for most of us who, who are Christians uh, watching today, we said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Have mercy on me. Pour your grace upon me. And God did that, right? Well, congratulations. You're a new creation. Well, what's next? This is the crazy part. God makes his appeal to you. You say yes. And now God starts to make his appeal through you through you. He comes to you to work through you, through you to your family, to your neighbors, to your community, to your workplace, to your enemies. The Holy Spirit came to you so that he can do a work through you. Amen. So let's flip the switch today. Let's allow God to make us a light in his world. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So on this Pentecost Sunday, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you haven't, we would love to help you understand what that means and, and help you look at God's word. You know, we're not here to uh, uh, trick anyone. We don't need to trick people into receiving the Holy Spirit because he's real, right? And and the evidence, if you are filled with the Spirit, is is not just these gifts of the Spirit being displayed, but how about, and being super spirit, no, no, no. How about the evidence of a life that is given to please God and to share Jesus with others? I find it really hard to believe when a Christian says they're filled with the Holy Spirit, yet never shares Jesus with other people and is self-focused. And it's almost like, would you receive the Holy Spirit and put him in a cage? It's like lighting a lamp and putting a bowl over it. Why would you do that? What, what, that is living so far below the God potential that is inside you. He is doing a work in you and through you. Amen. And we'll talk a little bit more about that work that he does in us next week. He gives us the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Well, hey, maybe today you have a fresh desire to say, Lord, I want you to flip the switch in me. I want you to fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you today. Or maybe you're here today and watching church and you are not a Christian. You haven't allowed God to make his appeal to you. His appeal to you is that you would come to know him, that your sin would no longer separate you from God. Uh, it, we read it in a verse earlier. It says that we have a veil that covers us. That veil is, is sin. And what Jesus did on the cross is he broke that veil. In, in receiving Christ into your life, that gap of sin between you and God will be taken away and you can live for him. You're free to live for him. So if you want to accept Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer and the words are going to come up on the screen. And I want you to pray this to him as I pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. And I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. 
I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, let us know. Head to our website. We'd love to send you a Bible and help you on that journey of getting to know God. Now, if you have a desire today to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to pray for you. You might want to stand up where you are. You know, you might be sitting in a car or something. You might want to just do something to say to the Lord, hey, God, I'm serious about this. I'm not just sitting with my legs up here watching church. No, no, I'm, I'm pursuing you by faith as I pray for you today. Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is real. I thank you that he's not limited to cameras and lights and microphones. And Lord, I ask that, Lord, I think as people are seeking you today, that you would respond Lord, that you would fill people afresh with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that, that this would begin an amazing journey. That the, the switch would be flipped, Lord. That you would help us on this journey of, of knowing you. Of knowing your ways. Of this amazing supernatural life of being spirit-filled. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, church, it is a journey. You know, I, like, I know we read... There's the story of Pentecost and we see this end suddenly moment and this kind of, oh, it all just happened. But, you know, the truth is, as we read the book of Acts, there was a journey of transformation for all these believers to help them see that, hey, the gospel doesn't just isn't just for us. It needs to go outward. There was a journey of, of structure for the church, a journey of, of discovery of what God will want them to do next. And I'm believing that that today would be the beginning of an amazing journey for you as you maybe relearn, re reformat your life under what God would want you to live by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hey, you have an awesome week. We have Men's Connect Group this afternoon. Looking forward to that. And if you're watching later in the week, I pray that this word uh, encouraged you. And we will see you next week for online church. Amen.